Chapter One of Tsatsrotsi, a Romance. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Martin Giessen. Tsatsrotsi, a Romance by Percy Bysshe Shelley. Chapter One That their God may prove their foe, and with repenting hand abolish his own works, this would surpass common revenge. Paradise Lost Torn from the society of all he held dear on earth, the victim of secret enemies, and exiled from happiness was the wretched verezzi all was quiet a pitchy darkness involved the face of things when urged by the fiercest revenge Zastrozzi placed himself at the door of the inn where undisturbed verezzi slept loudly he called the landlord the landlord to whom the bare name of zastrozzi was terrible trembling obeyed the summons thou knowest verezzi the italian he lodges here he does answered the landlord him then have i devoted to destruction exclaimed zastrozzi let ugo and bernardo follow you to his apartment i will be with you to prevent mischief cautiously they ascended successfully they executed their revengeful purpose and bore the sleeping verezzi to the place where a chariot waited to convey the vindictive zastrozzi's prey to the place of its destination ugo and bernardo lifted the still sleeping verezzi into the chariot rapidly they travelled onwards for several hours verezzi was still wrapped in deep sleep from which all the movements he had undergone had been insufficient to rouse him Zastrozzi and ugo were masked as was bernardo who acted as postilion it was still dark and they stopped at a small inn on a remote and desolate heath and waiting but to change horses again advanced at last day appeared and still the slumbers of verezzi remained unbroken ugo fearfully questioned zastrozzi as to the cause of his extraordinary sleep Zastrozzi, who however was well acquainted with it gloomily answered i know not swiftly they travelled during the whole of the day over which nature seemed to have drawn her most gloomy curtain they stopped occasionally at inns to change horses and obtain refreshments night came on they forsook their beaten track and entering an immense forest 
made their way slowly through the rugged underwood. At last they stopped. They lifted their victim from the chariot and bore him to a cavern which yawned in a dell close by. Not long did the hapless victim of unmerited persecution enjoy an oblivion which deprived him of a knowledge of his horrible situation. He awoke, and overcome by excess of terror, started violently from the ruffian's arms. They had now entered the cavern. Verezzi supported himself against a fragment of rock which jutted out. "'Resistance is useless!' exclaimed Sastrozzi. "'Following us in submissive silence can alone procure the slightest mitigation of your punishment.' Verezzi followed as fast as his frame, weakened by unnatural sleep, and enfeebled by recent illness, would permit, yet scarcely believing that he was awake, and not thoroughly convinced of the reality of the scene before him, he viewed everything with that kind of inexplicable horror which a terrible dream is wont to excite. After winding down the rugged descent for some time, they arrived at an iron door, which at first sight appeared to be part of the rock itself. Everything had till now been obscured by total darkness, and Verezzi, for the first time, saw the masked faces of his persecutors, which a torch brought by Bernardo rendered visible. The massy door flew open. The torches from without rendered the darkness which reigned within still more horrible, and Verezzi beheld the interior of this cavern as a place whence he was never again about to emerge, as his grave. Again he struggled with his persecutors, but his enfeebled frame was insufficient to support a conflict with the strong-nerved Ugo, and subdued he sank fainting into his arms. His triumphant persecutor bore him into the damp cell, and chained him to the wall. An iron chain encircled his waist, his limbs, which not even a little straw kept from the rock, were fixed by immense staples to the flinty floor, and but one of his hands was left at liberty, to take the scanty pittance of bread and water which was daily allowed him. Everything was denied him but thought, which by comparing the present with the past was his greatest torment. Ugo entered the cell every morning and evening to bring coarse bread and a pitcher of water, seldom yet sometimes accompanied by Zastrozzi. In vain did he implore mercy, pity, and even death. Useless were all his inquiries concerning the cause of his barbarous imprisonment. 
a stern silence was maintained by his relentless jailer languishing in painful captivity verezzi passed days and nights seemingly countless in the same monotonous uniformity of horror and despair he scarcely now shuddered when the slimy lizard crossed his naked and motionless limbs the large earthworms which twined themselves in his long and matted hair almost ceased to excite sensations of horror days and nights were undistinguishable from each other and the period which he had passed there though in reality but a few weeks was lengthened by his perturbed imagination into many years sometimes he scarcely supposed that his torments were earthly but that ugo whose countenance bespoke him a demon was the fury who blasted his reviving hopes his mysterious removal from the inn near munich also confused his ideas and he never could bring his thoughts to any conclusion on the subject which occupied them one evening overcome by long watching he sank to sleep for almost the first time since his confinement when he was aroused by a loud crash which seemed to burst over the cavern attentively he listened he even hoped though hope was almost dead within his breast again he listened again the same noise was repeated it was but a violent thunderstorm which shook the elements above convinced of the folly of hope he addressed a prayer to his creator to him who hears a suppliant from the bowels of the earth his thoughts were elevated above terrestrial enjoyments his sufferings sank into nothing on the comparison whilst his thoughts were thus employed a more violent crash shook the cavern a scintillating flame darted from the ceiling to the floor almost at the same instant the roof fell in a large fragment of the rock was laid athwart the cavern one end being grooved into the solid wall the other having almost forced open the massy iron door verezzi was chained to a piece of rock which remained immovable the violence of the storm was past but the hail descended rapidly each stone of which wounded his naked limbs every flash of lightning although now distant dazzled his eyes unaccustomed as they had been to the least ray of light the storm at last ceased the pealing thunders died away in indistinct murmurs and the lightning was too faint to be visible day appeared no one had yet been to the cavern 
Verezzi concluded that they either intended him to perish with hunger, or that some misfortune which they themselves had suffered had occurred. In the most solemn manner, therefore, he now prepared himself for death, which he was fully convinced within himself was rapidly approaching. His pitcher of water was broken by the falling fragments, and a small crust of bread was all that now remained of his scanty allowance of provisions. A burning fever raged through his veins, and, delirious with despairing illness, he cast from him the crust which alone could now retard the rapid advances of death. Oh, what ravages did the united efforts of disease and suffering make on the manly and handsome figure of Verezzi! His bones had almost started through his skin, his eyes were sunken and hollow, and his hair, matted with the damps, hung in strings upon his faded cheek. The day passed as had the morning. Death was every instant before his eyes, a lingering death by famine. He felt its approaches. Night came, but with it brought no change. He was aroused by a noise against the iron door. It was the time when Ugo usually brought fresh provisions. The noise lessened. At last it totally ceased, with it ceased all hope of life in Verezzi's bosom. A cold tremor pervaded his limbs, his eyes but faintly presented to his imagination the ruined cavern. He sank, as far as the chain which encircled his waist would permit him, upon the flinty pavement and in the crisis of the fever which then occurred, his youth and good constitution prevailed. End of chapter 1 Recording by Martin Geeson In Hazelmere, Surrey